Blog Talk Radio. Interviewing your favorite musicians, comedians, and other creative souls. This is the Carrie Edelman Show. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Carrie Edelman Show. I am extremely excited tonight as we have an amazing comedian and warm-up comic coming on in a moment named R.C. Smith, and he's going to join the lineup of so many people, comedians that I've had the honor—excuse me—that oh, I've had the honor and uh, pleasure of interviewing, including Jim Florentine, Don Jameson, Mike Moores, Joseph Anthony, Mike Bacchetti, and the list goes on. So I'm really excited to have him on tonight going to be a little different. I definitely want to get into uh, his role as a warm-up comic because he is known as one of the best in the television and comedy industry. So we're going to talk about that tonight. But before I bring him on, I just want to give people a little bit of information and background about the concept of my show. And I started it approximately a year ago with the concept of bringing a forum where I could bring people on in the entertainment industry and support them. I'm sure R.C. Smith can comment on just how different from my understanding, and I got involved only maybe a handful of years ago in the entertainment industry, how different it is today than it was 10 years ago when uh, people, you know, had major managers and bands were signed to major labels, making tons of money, and it's just a very different industry today with the Internet and people doing a lot of this stuff on their own. So I wanted to create a forum to support people. Um, I'm an independent artist, a singer-songwriter. Um, I'm also a clinical psychologist, which is what I do during my full-time job, as well as I'm writing for some magazines now on entertainment, combining some psychology stuff, and then I wanted to create this forum to really just support people because personally I know how difficult it can be and I wanted to be able to give back to others. So I'm going to show you're going to get a really good taste of what these people's lives are like and what it's like to be in their profession. A couple of things I just ask for people to keep in mind, and I have no uh, problems talking about it in more broad, generic terms, is that uh, although I'm a clinical psychologist, the show is meant purely for entertainment purposes. It's not meant for any type of formal therapy or treatment, even though I know the guests often say that they need it, but uh, we're not going to go there. Um, And then secondly, I just kindly request that my guests, if they do want to talk about some embarrassing, humiliating, entertaining stories, that they just keep any identifying information out as I don't want to personally humiliate anyone, but I do want the show to be uh, very open for my guests to talk about whatever they'd like. So if you are tuning in, please create a Blog Talk Radio account by going to blogtalkradio.com. And if you want to call in and ask questions, the number is 805-243-1320. And I apologize, I didn't open up the chat room yet. Let me open that up. So if people want to go into the chat room, there will be a chat room open. Um, I am a one-person show. I'm going back and forth between many windows. So if you want to post some questions, I'll try to get to them. But please feel free to call in, too. And um, if you can't tune into the live show, a podcast will be available once the show is over for streaming, downloading, etc. So definitely check out the show if you tune in a little late or if you can't catch it. All right, so let me tell you a little bit about R.C. Smith, and then we're going to bring him on the air. Okay, and I'm just going to give you some highlights because he's done so many amazing things. So R.C. Smith is known in the television and comedy industry as one of the best warm-up men in the business. This guy, and I I watched some of his stuff online. I cannot wait to see him live, and he's coming to New Jersey soon, so he can plug that tonight. So I'm definitely going to try to make it out to that show. Um, His improv is amazing, the way he works the crowd. I mean, it looks like... Sometimes he doesn't even have any material, but he probably does because he just works the crowd so well. He just kind of builds upon everything, so he's really quick 
and just has some uh, amazing abilities there. Um, currently, right now, he is the warm-up comics for ABC's daytime show, The Chew, and he has entertained at the Rachel Ray Show for six seasons. He's also done warm-up for The Colbert Report, The Tony Danza Show, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, The Caroline Ray Show, Ricky Lake, and NBC's Clash of the Choirs. I'm sure he's going to have tons of other amazing stuff happening in the future. Um, he also tours the country. He um, is regularly uh, known also in Canada and he can be often heard on 50,000-watt radio stations around the country where he's a regular on them, and he can fill us in on that stuff tonight. So please check him out. Go to rcsmithkicksass.com, and you can find more information about, about him and upcoming shows. So let's bring him on. Hey, R.C., how are you? Hey, Carrie, how are you? Good, good. Thank you so much for coming on tonight. It's about time we finally met. You know, I've been seeing you on Facebook forever and ever and oh, ever. Really? And I'm like, yeah, and I'm like, hey, how come she doesn't have me on her show? What the heck's going on? <laughs> well, you know, it's a funny story. A while back, just to kind of digress for a minute, and then we'll get into the interview, because I wanted to be, you know, grounded and fun. A while back, you had performed with Joseph Anthony. And I, I've become very what? good friends with him from seeing him over the years performing. And I was like, oh, I really want to see this guy. And I, you'd been on the back of my mind forever. I'm like, I've got to reach out to him. I've got to reach out to him. But then, to be honest with you, I was a little intimidated. I'm like, this guy's huge. And the fact that he, I don't even know if he'll come on my show. So thank you so much for saying that you're seeing me well, out there. First of all, I'm, I'm, I'm not that huge. I'm, I'm just sure a are. working cop. So I'm just a working <laughs> cop. So, and you know, and here's the funny thing. I think that we're all in this together, whether you've been doing it I for agree. 20 years or or and and here's what makes it and here's why I know that whenever I'm okay. doing one of the shows that I work on if you have someone like a Ray Romano or a Drew Carey or whoever mm-hmm. the first thing they always do the minute we go to a commercial is come over and talk to me because we're all in it together and only mm-hmm. comics know what comics go through so, right. you know, regardless of how long you've been in it or how successful you are or whether you're an open mic guy who's only done it a couple of times, once you've been through the fire, you know what it's like to be a comic. Mm-hmm. So we're all in this together. That's awesome. That's great that you have that, that perspective and that attitude because I agree. I think it's so important. But I'm sure you also know, RC, and we can talk about it as we get into the interview if you want. You know, the entertainment industry, and unfortunately I'm a psychologist, so, you know, I look at things from a variety of different angles. You know, it is wrought with a lot of people that are unfortunately just out for themselves. And, you yeah, know, personally absolutely. that's right. And personally that's so why I created a radio show. Go ahead. Yeah, so you're sort of, you're sort of, uh, you you have a disadvantage because being, you know, having the background that you do as a, as a um, as a clinical psychologist, mm-hmm. you meet all these comics, but you also know why they're as messed up as they really are. So I don't know if I would want that inside information. <laughs> yeah, know? no, I know what you. Well, I mean, again, I I was doing mostly music for a while, so believe me, that industry is just as crazy. It, it, it probably is in the thing. same aspect. Absolutely. No, comedy Absolutely. comedy and music go hand in hand. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well, thank you again for joining me, and it's a pleasure having you on, and we're going to have a fun show tonight. No, my pleasure. Cool, cool. So why don't we start out a little bit. Just tell us a little bit about, you know, where you're from growing up, you know, how you started to get interested in comedy. I always like to kind of get, and there's my psychology side, unfortunately. Just some, should, you know, background information. Down while I'm- should I should I be laying down while I'm doing this? Should I do we need a couch or anything or maybe maybe if I have a real studio one day we can uh, we can get into that uh, area. 
right. All right. Um, I grew up in Ohio. I'm from Cleveland, Ohio. And um, I grew up, I was a theater major in college. I went to school in Cincinnati. but And I had always wanted to be a performer of some sort. That's all I ever wanted to do. When I was, like, in third grade, uh, the one thing that uh, I remember, my mom showed me this uh, um, a paper that I had written in third grade. What do you want to be when you grow up? And I had written that I wanted to be an actor. So okay. it's something that I that's something that I've always wanted to do. And I grew up, and of course, like everybody else growing up, you know, I listened to the Bill Cosby records, and I watched the Tonight Show, and I saw Marx Brothers movies, and all that stuff. And so I was always sort of drawn toward uh, comedy. And then I was a theater major. I moved to New York in uh, 1984 to be an actor. I did that for a while and then got kind of bored with it and decided to try stand-up. So I went to an open mic at the Boston Comedy Club down in okay. the village. Um, did I, I, I was actually brought on by Kevin Brennan. Do you know who Kevin Brennan is? He's a comic that's been around forever. And he I'm was actually sure. hosting the yeah. open yeah. He was actually hosting the open mic, and the intro was, this next guy might be funny, but I doubt it, ladies and gentlemen, R.C. Smith. It was like 11.30 at night on a Monday night. There were 20 people. I got up, did, was supposed to do five, did like two and a half minutes because I talked so fast, got, okay. a laugh and a, got a laugh and a half, got off stage, and said, oh, my God, that was the most fun thing that I've ever done, and decided to try to become good at it. And here I am, like, 21 years later as a comic. Wow. So, uh, so just, yeah. just digress, digress a little bit, because I just want to get into kind of how you, you know, took kind of a little bit of a, you know, a little turn in terms of not sticking with the acting. And I'm sure, as you know, I'm sure acting is involved in comedy, too. So where did you right. go to school at when you were majoring in theater? Um, I went to Xavier University in Cincinnati, Ohio. So okay. it was a, uh, you know, I was a theater major, and I did a little bit of everything from, like, children's theater to uh, Shakespeare to uh, cool. brand-new dramas to musicals. I mean, I did a little bit of everything in the four years that I was there. Awesome. So then when you get to New York and you're still pursuing this, as you said, this acting direction, what, I guess, at some point in your head kind of went off and you said, you know what, I really just, you wanted to move towards comedy. Like, what was going on that you wanted to take that move? Well, I was always drawn to comedies more than anything. And even when I was doing, like, Shakespeare and children's theater, it was always more of, like, the uh, um, the, the comic relief roles that I was always cast in. So once I moved to New York and I started doing some acting, I got involved in a couple of improv groups mm -hmm. and started doing uh, doing a lot of improv. And just the, just the thought of going on stage without really having a script and there was no fourth wall, as they say, between you and the audience, I found that really, really exciting. And it got to the point of where in my acting, people that I – were working with said to me, you know what, you should be doing stand-up because <laughs> you don't follow a script, you don't listen right. to any direction, <laughs> you would be better <laughs> off on stage by yourself. <laughs> so, gotcha. that, so I decided to do it. I, I just I got kind of bored with the whole rehearsal process and, and having to memorize lines because I had been doing acting since I was in high school. So, you know, it had been like 10 years, so I was a little bored with the whole – in going to auditions and having to look a certain way and mm -hmm. they were looking for a, a type of person, and I just didn't really want to be pigeonholed. And then I found out that when I was in an improv group, 
the people that I was working with weren't necessarily as strong as I was, so I ended up, like, carrying the scene anyway. So I was like, you know what, I should just go on stage by myself. It'll be a lot easier than having to deal with people that I don't really feel like working with. Right, right. Cool, very cool. So how do you start developing your craft? With comedy, since, like you said, you were mainly doing acting, you're getting involved in the improv, and I, just by going out to see so many people perform, and I mean, Florentine and Matt Reese and just all the people I've seen, I mean, it's such an art, and I just totally respect everything you guys do, because it's just, it, it takes a certain person and a certain ability to do it. So, what are some of the things that you do? Would you say that you could take courses, or do you say that, nah, it's more internally and intrinsic-based, kind of either have it or you don't? Like, what's your theory? Well, that's what it is. Either you have it because, you know, 20-some years ago when I started, no one wanted to be a stand-up comic. There was no mm-hmm. such thing. You know, now, nowadays you meet, oh, you meet these kids, oh, I want to be a comic, and everybody's performing at <laughs> bringer shows and open mics. But there was no such thing. You know, there were a couple clubs in the city that on Monday nights you would go and you would sign up, and you didn't have to bring anybody. You know, they would suggest it. They'd say, oh, well, if you can bring some audience members, that would be great, but don't worry about it. But basically you would just go and hang out at the club, and you would watch people, and you would learn the craft. So the first time I did stand-up, I had never held a microphone in my hand ever, you know, because I had done theater. I had never held a microphone. I had never really been on stage by myself except for doing a monologue and a play. But as far as getting up in front of an audience and holding a microphone and saying, hey, this is me, I'm going to say stuff that's funny, I had never done that (laughs) ever. Wow, so, and and I and I didn't even tell anybody that I was going to do do stand up on that Monday night. You know, I didn't tell my friends. I didn't tell anybody. I said, you know what? I'm going to keep it really, really low key. I'm going to keep it so no one knows that I'm doing. It. So that way, if I bomb, no one that I know will see that happen. Right. Right. Yeah. So, and then what happened was I did it, and then I just started hanging out at the clubs in the city. If you hung out at long enough, and it was the Boston Comedy Club, the Improv was still in New York City, Catch a Rising Star, the comic strip. So I mostly hung out at Catch a Rising Star, which was up on the Upper East Side. And if you hung out there long enough, and if Mm -hmm. people saw you night after night after night, eventually they would say, hey, you know what, you've been here for a while, you know, we uh, so-and-so didn't show up. Why don't you get up and do five minutes? Very so cool. You would get, so you would get up and do five minutes. And after you would do five minutes, they you then had passed the test. And there was no such thing as, as you were being passed and, and people were judging you. You just hung out, and eventually you became part of the fabric of hanging out at the club, and you became part of the scene. And then other comics would say, you know what, I'm, I'm hosting this show in Newark on Thursday night. <laughs> Do you want to come by and do a set for like twenty five bucks? It's like twenty five bucks. Yeah, count me in. Right, right, right. <laughs> you know, so That's it literally awesome. was. You, you know, you just became a face that everybody was comfortable with, and you developed friends, and you developed contact, and it and it was me and Judah Friedlander from Thirty Rock. It was okay. uh, Greg. Ger- it was Greg Geraldo, and it was Jim Gaffigan. We were like the four guys that hung out everywhere, and we were at every open mic, and we went everywhere together. And I remember being in a, a car that we rented with Greg Geraldo and Jim Gaffigan, driving to a Wayne, New Jersey, to do a Saturday night to make like fifty bucks, and we thought we were on top of the world. 
That's awesome. That's awesome. And yeah. I guess you can, like you're saying, I mean, it was just back then that was awesome. You were hanging out at these clubs, like you said, you're establishing relationships, connections, which is key. And today, the industry, whether it's you want to be a musician or you want to be a comedian, it's just oversaturated. And Yeah, I mean, like I said, yeah, there, there weren't a million guys, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, people, there were a lot of people who tried to do it, but it was weeded out very quickly because within a couple of weeks at the open mics the people who had been there two weeks ago suddenly couldn't make it because of their work schedule or because they had kids or whatever so what it boiled down to was the half a dozen guys or girls that were there night after night after night and I still had real daytime jobs so I was hanging out at the clubs until 2 o'clock in the morning and then getting up at 6 o'clock in the morning to go to my so-called real jobs. So it was the guys that were willing to put some time and some effort mm-hmm. into it, and nothing else mattered except being a comic. No one wanted commercials. No one wanted to be a movie star or a TV star. All we wanted to do was be a stand-up comic. That's awesome. What were you doing, just real quick, what were you doing for your day job back then? Oh, types of what things? didn't I do? Um, I worked at I, I worked at Sex Fifth Avenue um, behind some of the fragrance counters. I taught okay. theater. I I watered plants. I was a New York City tour guide. I was a waiter. I mean, it was a little bit of everything. Right. Wow. That's awesome. Very cool. Yeah, I just wanted I just wanted a job that would allow me to sleep in until like six thirty instead of five a.m. Right. So. Right. Right. <laughs> Very cool, very cool. So, okay, so you've been in New York pretty much ever since, like you said, you graduated from your degree in theater? Right, and I moved here in 84. Wow, wow, very awesome. Um, So then I guess when do you start to get into this and and definitely educate the audience just for, you know, some lay people out there, and I'm sure people have heard the term warm-up comic, but, you know, it's definitely a newer term to me, and I started reading about what it is, and I'm like, wow, what a great gig, and how does someone get that? And so, yeah, tell us a little bit about how you started to venture down that road, and, of course, we'll tie in, you know, more of your stand-up stuff, too, in terms of your touring. I was the same way because I had no idea what a warm-up comic was, but a guy I knew was actually the warm-up comic on the Regis Philbin, um, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. So he said, oh, you know what, I'm the guy that entertains the crowd. Would you like to come and see a taping? So I was like, sure, I'll come. It's because, you know, I was a big Who Wants to Be a Millionaire fan when it came out however many Mm -hmm. years ago. So I was like, yeah. So I went to see it. And I was sitting in the audience, and I saw him doing his thing. And the first thing I said to myself, and I'd only been a comic, like, what, maybe five or six years. So I was just starting to make a little bit of money at it, even though I wasn't doing it full time. But when I saw him doing his thing, I said to myself, wow, I could do that. Mm-hmm. You know, that would, be a, that would be a great gig. So fast forward to a couple of years later, and Joey Cola, who is a really good friend of mine and was is probably like the the you know great grandfather, even though he doesn't think he's that old um, <laughs> of, of, of warm ups. Um, he was doing the Rosie O'Donnell show, so um, I I went to see him and him and I did some gigs together and stuff like that. And he saw that my act is really improvisational, so he said, you know what, you'd be a great warm up comic. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. I had thought about doing that. Well, sure enough, the daytime version of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire with Meredith Vieira came along, and they asked Joey to do it, but there was a couple of weeks when he couldn't do it, so he recommended me. So I filled in for so I filled in for him, and in the TV industry, 
the producers of shows really don't want to look any further than their Rolodex or their or their information. So if they know a guy who's available who can do it, they're going to call and ask him to do it. So it went well enough in the two weeks that I did it that producers remembered my name and you it's a it's a very small world even though it seems like it's this big uh, unattainable mm-hmm. scene it's a very small world a lot of the producers go from show to show to show and a lot of the guys and girls that I know as producers have moved from show to show and I'm one of the first people that they always call because they know that I can do the job so it just you know and luckily since I started doing it what 11 years ago was when I did my first warm up gig I've been making a living at it ever since that's amazing. I mean, congratulations. That's just an awesome, yeah, awesome gift that no you one, have. No one, yeah, no one is more blessed than I am, so I'm very, wow. very blessed. <laughs> very cool, very cool. And then, it, like you said, on, I mean, I was reading your website and everything. In addition to that, you can be scheduled to do your stand-up dates and everything else that you need to do, so that's just great. Well, that. yeah, most TV shows only tape Monday through Thursday. Like at the two, we only tape Monday through Thursday, and then we're done by two o'clock in the afternoon. So if I need to go someplace to do a weekend gig, that's I'm able to do that. So right. uh, you know, I, I'm I'm off Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. So uh, I can go wherever I need to go to do a gig, which is great. So I I do my TV shows during the week, and then I do my club dates on the weekend. Very cool. Walk us through a little bit of, like, one of your days. What is your day like going to your gig as a warm-up comic? Like, what time do you have to get up and be there? And tell us a little bit well, about that's that. What separates, that's what separates the comics from from the real comics is okay. because as a stand-up comic, you work at night. That's the right. thing that you get used to. You know, you're working at night. Well, i got to get up at 530 every day. So because okay. I have to be to I have to be to the studio by seven thirty. Um, at the Chew, we start taping anywhere between like eight fifteen and nine o'clock, depending on the schedule. But as a warm up comic, you need to know what the show is about, who the guests are, what the segments are going to be about. Wow! So I get to, so I get to the studio about seven thirty. I watch rehearsal. Um, if, if there's something that the audience needs to do, whether it's an audience participation segment or whatever, the producers talk to me. And then, you know, the audience gets brought into the studio, and I start my warm-up about 15 or 20 minutes before the show actually starts taping. Very cool. And do you, do you have to do hair and makeup and all that stuff? Do they kind of... Do all that, too? Uh, nah, you know what? When yeah. I was on the Rachel Ray show, we went through a very short period where they said, oh, we need you to have you in makeup in case we use you on camera, and that lasted for about a week and a half. And I was okay. like, you know what? I'm not going to makeup. I'm not going to makeup anymore <laughs> because, first of all, it looked like I was a corpse because, oh, you know, no. you don't want to be standing around in makeup all day. And right. second of all, it's just, you know, the audience knew that I was in makeup, so they're like, why does this guy have makeup on? So it just... You know, in order to be a warm-up person, you have to make the audience know that you're like one of them. Exactly. You know, I'm I'm right. I'm part of the crowd. So, uh, and I get seen on the chew all the time. They show me all the time and they talk to me all the time. But I'm just like the pale warm-up guy. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> well, so real quick, I saw the, and I'm not sure if that was that one because I, I just for some reason didn't tune into the specific show. Was that the one with Jimmy Fallon where there was a clip on your website? That was, was on that? the Rachel Ray show. Yeah, that okay. was on the that Rachel, Rachel Ray, Ray show. Okay. 
And, and, the, that was cool, cool. and the cool thing is, it was great because, um, like I said, the minute we go into a commercial break, the first thing a comic does is come over and talk to the other comic. It's just sort mm-hmm. of like, you know, it's, it's the same thing. You know, you've done a gig and it's late at night and you're all hanging out at the diner or the bar and you're all talking. Well, it's the same thing during a commercial break. You sort of gravitate towards the guy that knows what you're going through. And I've been lucky enough to get to know Jimmy just from all the shows that I've done. Wow. So at, the Ray show, at the Rachel Ray show. You know, and he's really, really audience friendly. He loves talking to the audience. He loves talking to the warm up comic. So the first thing he always does, and he did this on the Chew as well. The first thing he does is come over to me. Hey, RC, how you doing? What do you have here? And then I'll point out to him. Well, you know, we got a lady over there from you know Great Britain, and we have a guy over here who looks like Clint Eastwood, and da 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 da. <laughs> You know, and so him and I are always like sort of like riffing off each other. And that's what the uh, segment is on my website is it was in between segments at the Rachel Ray show when him and I were talking about some people that were up in the balcony at the Rachel Ray show. Right, right. That was funny. Absolutely. So let's do this because I want to take a little bit of a break and then we'll definitely okay. come back and talk about more stuff. So I was able to get someone to get the uh, the clip where, and I think you need to give the audience because, you know, and they can go look at it visually just because you got to appreciate where you were performing. So I got the clip right. that you had off of YouTube, and it was just, it was hysterical. I loved it. I just, I can't wait to see it live. Um, give oh, them nice. a little bit of a visual on where were you performing. Was it like a like a grammar school with the, no, with the no, background? No, no, okay. it, was, it was actually at a real comedy club. It's, oh, there's it a, there's a, a bunch of comedy clubs up in Connecticut called the Treehouse oh. Comedy Club. And okay. um, a lot of times their backdrops look like they were done by like a second grade special ed class. That's what the right. backdrop. But it's that. But no. But the, the backdrops are actually done by an adult, which is even more frightening. <laughs> so and so I was for. So I think that the the tape that I have is when I was in Danbury, and it was like this. It was the Treehouse Comedy Club, but it was actually up on the second floor of a restaurant. So I was like in the attic okay. of a restaurant at the Treehouse Comedy Club with their special ed backdrop hanging in the background. So that's the clip that's on YouTube. And I think it might be on my website as well, but it's definitely it on YouTube. Yeah. yeah it's, it, there's a link on your website. So everyone, you definitely yeah. have to check this out because you just need to really appreciate the visual aspect when you're listening to him uh, do his stand-up act. So let me find yeah. that in the uh, my audio section here. And then we'll – I'll probably – I'll play like five minutes if that's cool because it was a pretty long – you know, set that you did there. Um, yeah, do whatever you want. Okay, cool. No, it was great. It was really good stuff. And like I said, being a psychologist working in corrections, definitely some of the stuff you tied in was just right up my alley. So. <laughs> nice. All right. All right, so hold on one second, and then we will uh, we'll okay. bring you back in a moment. Okay. Beautiful. Thanks. All right, everyone. Again, you are listening to the stand-up comedian and warm-up comic, R.C. Smith, on The Carrie Edelman Show. Please check him out at rcsmithkicksass.com. We're going to now check out one of his bits. As he said, this was at the uh, Treehouse Comedy Club. They're located in Connecticut, and I apologize if I botched that a little bit. But uh, you can check it out on his website. And like I said, to appreciate the visual aspect, you definitely have to watch him doing this. So let's check out some of his uh, stand-up act uh, from this gig that he did. Danbury. Thank God. I've been wanting to do this gig for a long time. A round of applause. How many people are actually from Danbury? Perfect. All right. This all work out great. Nobody. Wow. 
groups who live in New York City. And every weekend in the spring and the summer and the fall, there's a parade. So it starts with the St. Patrick's Day Parade. Then every weekend we have like the Pakistani Parade, the Bulgarian Parade, the Chinese Parade, the Puerto Rican Parade, the Puerto Rican Parade, the Puerto Rican Parade, the Puerto Rican Parade, Mexicans pretending to be Puerto Rican Parade. I don't get the whole parade thing. My family's German, and I remember as all the kids saying to my mom, when do we get a parade? And I finally figured it out. People get really, really nervous when 20,000 Germans are marching up the street. Any other Germans besides me here tonight? Any Germans in the room anywhere? Yeah, always the assholes with their arms in the air. Those are the first ones. They're like, uh, over here! <laughs> Irish people, any Irish people out there? Irish anywhere? Yeah? Yeah, of course. They're like, woo! <laughs> any Polish people? Polish people? Yeah? One? <laughs> He's like facing the wrong way. Where is this going? <laughs> Uh, they really went all out on the backdrop at this club, didn't they? Holy shit! I'd like to thank Sister Margaret Mary survey class for doing the art project here tonight. What the hell is this? What weird addict pedophile club did we fall into here? Really, that is fine art right there. Right, so they did this, they said, ah, oh, screw the rest of the wall, let's just put something temporary. That'll work. Kids do their art projects. Nice. Nice. Any Puerto Rican people here? Puerto Rican people? Yeah? Two? Where are the others? Out the car? What the hell is going on? I like coming to this part of Danbury. I love Connecticut. By the way, can you have a few more dead animals along the side of the road? Is that even possible? Right there on Route 7? It's either construction or dead animals. What the hell are they doing on that road? How far to surrender? It's like three deer, a raccoon, and half a possum. We never know that. Thank you, man. It's really nice up here. So, come on, fellas, just smile. That's all I ask, please. You look like the old guys in the balcony at the Muppet Show. Just smile. Thanks. Hey. Hey, I'm better than an old guy with a hot chick. That rocks, doesn't it, dude? Just don't do that. That's not right on any level. What, what's your name, my friend? Tom. Tom. Good to, wow, he's waiting for me, too. He's like, Tom! He's like, I've sat through three other comics. I haven't said my name once. I think it's my turn. Tom! Where are you from, Tom? Where do you live? Weston. Weston. All right, I'll talk slow. I, um... An architect. An architect. Excellent, man. So, what, what kind of stuff do you design? Uh, big houses. Big houses. Yeah. <laughs> like prisons? Is that what you're trying to say? That's a little weird. I design big houses. Uh, so, what's your name, sir? The guy right there. Siggy. Siggy? Yeah. Anyway, I was walking down the street today. <laughs> Holy shit, am I sorry I went over there. Siggy? Sigmund or something like that? Is it Sigmund? Yeah. And you didn't raise your hand when I asked where the Germans were? What's wrong with you? You gotta be German, right? Are you German? Dyslexic. Dyslexic. I'll handle the joke, Siggy. You just sit there.
there, so don't worry, Asian lady, I'll get to you in a minute. Hang tight, you're going to get rid of so. so, Siggy, what are you, I'm not going to call you Siggy, I sound like I should be dating you if I call you Siggy. Sigmund, what, what, what do you do for a living there, sir? A psychologist. A psychologist named Sigmund, man. Well, I guess for the rest of that, I'm fucking George Carlin, All right, everyone. I thought that was a good part to uh, to cut it off and leave you guys wanting more because there's probably another good six minutes. So uh, please go to RC's website at rckicksass.com. Check out the rest of that hysterical stuff, brilliant material. I'm just going to do a couple of quick commercials and then I will bring him back on. Um, everyone needs to check out Zero by One Sound. It is a studio in South Jersey and it's an awesome recording studio for musicians, uh, filmmakers, anyone who needs sound design for commercials, etc. So let's check this out real quick, and then we'll do a couple of other uh, verbal uh, commercials. Sorry, long day. And uh, then I'll be back in a moment. Zero by One Sound, South Jersey's premier recording and audio production studio, featuring award-winning engineers, state-of-the-art gear, and spacious tracking rooms. Zero by One Sound offers musicians of any genre an exciting and professional recording environment. Call us now at 856-396-7672 to discuss your project and take a tour of the studio. Or visit us on the web at 0x1sound.com. All right, everyone, and we're back. Let me do a couple more quick plugs, and then we'll bring RC back on. Everyone needs to check out irocktv.co, and that's spelled I, but just the letter I, rocktv.co. It's an amazing website. It is for independent musicians, artists, and so much more. They have a ton of stuff in development. They're going to be launching a magazine in this fall, and uh, check them out at irocktv.co. also want to give a plug to Flirt Energy Drink. Check them out at flirtenergy.com. And this is an energy drink that is specifically formulated for the female athlete. They're an amazing company. I'm doing some uh, collaborations with them right now. They use one of my uh, songs off of my album, uh, and the song is Vanilla Skies, which is used to represent their products. So please check them out again at flirtdrink.com. And last but not least, Davin Den. It's an amazing podcast. If people like comedy, check this out. It features comedians Davin Rosenblatt, Joe Curry, and Pip Helix. So if you're looking for a show that's going to make you think and laugh out loud at the same time, Davin's Den is a show for you. They go live Tuesday nights at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time. To watch live episodes, hear or watch old episodes, or find out more about the show, go to Davin's Den page on davincomedy.com, and that's spelled D-A-V-I-N. All right, so let's bring R.C. back on. All right, you're back, RC. Great stuff. I'm glad to be back. You know, it's funny because I listen to that. I listen to that uh, clip that you're playing, and I don't listen to myself. I listen to the audience, and I'm like, wow, that one lady was having a really good time. Oh, I know, RC. I swear. I mean, of course, I was laughing because your material. But just hearing her, it made me laugh even more. I know she was great. 
Well, laughing, laughter is spontaneous, and the cool thing about that place was that the ceiling was a little bit low, right. so laughter is really spontaneous. So once you have a lunatic who's drunk and laughing at everything, then everybody else is going to laugh too. So right. that's the one good thing about it. <laughs> that's awesome, and that was that was crazy. That was so funny with the guy in the crowd named Siggy. He ends up being a psychologist. That was just hysterical. You know, every night I thank the comedy gods for the lunatics that are in my audience because they're, they're watching <laughs> over me and making sure that everybody has weird names and weird professions. So right. the comedy gods are overlooking my shoulder every single time. That's awesome. Really cool. So um, so tell us a little bit, too, about I know we've talked about some of your stand-up and the uh, different shows that you do for the warm-up comics. Tell us a little bit about some of the radio stations that you're on, because I read in your bio that you appear pretty regularly Right. Well, the first radio station that I started doing was about 10 years ago in Grand Forks, North Dakota, of all places, where I'm huge. People in Grand Forks love me. So um, there was a great comedy club out there at one time. So I was performing out there a couple times a year. So I would do KJ108, which is the big rock radio station out there. Oh, and cool. uh, I, I hit it off with the guys, and I still call in every Friday. I call into their radio show every Friday morning and I've been working with them for about 10 years and then there's a couple stations up Connecticut there's a WPLR which has a great morning show and then there's I-95 radio which has a morning show so I sort of switch back and forth and I'm on their radio shows uh, I don't know maybe like two or three times a month at both those places so I fill in a lot of times when a couple of the guys can't make it or whatever and basically it's just me going on the air reading the newspaper, drinking coffee, and making smart-ass comments. That's pretty much what it is. Wow, another great gig. And just, do you get actually get paid for that too, right? So yeah, but, not- uh, yeah, and, yeah, absolutely. But I also use it to promote guys, my gigs. When I I work exactly. in Connecticut a lot, that's like one of the states. So if I'm doing a gig on a Friday or a Saturday, I'll do you know one or both of the stations like on a Thursday on or a Friday just to promote the upcoming gig. And uh, you know there's there's usually a hotel room involved and stuff like that where I get to stay. So cause nice. I have to get up like at four. I have to get up like at four o'clock in the morning because most of the times I'm on the air like at seven a.m. So uh, I get up at four and drive up to Connecticut and pick up my coffee and my newspaper and my five-hour energy. And then, uh, but it's great because you don't have to shave, you don't have to dress up. Radio is the best. That's true. You're right. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm, wearing, I, I, I'm, wear, I'm wearing nothing right now, as a matter of fact. That's the beauty of doing radio <laughs> is that I'm not wearing oh, anything. <laughs> Very. <laughs> I, you're funny. You're very funny. So I guess you have uh, different um, outfits that you wear. Maybe you don't wear anything when you're doing uh, those radio shows, too. That's right. So well, I'm wearing a tie characters. for you. I'm, I'm, I'm wearing nothing but a tie for you because this is the first time I've done the show, so I dressed up a little bit. Wow, thank you. I appreciate you're that. You're welcome. You're very welcome. <laughs> very funny stuff. Um so I guess what tell us a little bit more personally about yourself. Um, and I don't want to, you know, uh, be disrespectful or get involved in areas if you don't want to talk about it. But are you married? Are you single? Do you have kids? I have, I have a family. So I have a family. So okay. um, I have I have a girlfriend. We have a couple of kids, and uh, um, I'm I'm leading the perfect life right now. So I'm very blessed. I'm very nice. very blessed. 
Yeah. yeah, you seem like a catch, so you're already taken that. So unfortunately, yes. ladies out oh, there yes. listening. Yes. <laughs> yes, I'm definitely a catch. <laughs> no, you are, definitely, absolutely. How old are your kids? Yeah. Uh, eight and four. Oh, nice. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. So, yeah. And I guess, are you on the road a lot, would you say, in terms of is it difficult sometimes with your career and being involved um, in so many different things? Yes and no. I mean, you know, it's it's. You know what? It's it's what I have to do. I mean, that's my job. You know, so mm-hmm. if it involves going on, if it co- involves going on the road, then that's what it takes. So right. it's, you know, it's not like you know, all of a sudden I woke up like one morning and said, "Oh, I have to go on the road." I've been doing this for twenty years. So right. to me, to me, you know, not going on the road is probably uh, you know a little weird. So uh, right, right, right. You know. You know, and it's like any other job, whether you're a cop or a fireman or in the military. I mean, those guys have hard jobs. You know, mm-hmm. every you know every weekend I have to go to places like Atlantic City and and Florida and stuff like that. So uh, you know, and I'm gone for a couple of days or maybe four days tops. So I don't have it rough at all. It's you know the guys who yeah. actually have real, it's the guys that have real jobs, you know, and have to deal with family and stuff like that. They're the ones that have it a lot rougher than I do. So right. uh, you know, it, it's what I do. I go away for a couple of days and then I come home and I'm back. So, uh, you know, it's just, it's just to me, that's the norm. I mean, to any guy on the road, whether you're a comic or a musician, that's yeah. just the norm. You know, I, I, I've been performing since I was in high school. And when I was in college, I was doing shows every weekend. When I was an actor, I was auditioning or doing shows. So, you know, Friday and Saturday nights to me are the nights that you go out and make money. That's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Very cool. Um, tell us some entertaining stories, if you can think of any behind the scenes in terms of, uh, I don't know, some, some highlights that stick out throughout your career. Um, the, my favorite showbiz story of all time, my, one of my heroes is Don Rickles. He's okay. like the, the, he's the greatest comic of all time and the way he does the <laughs> crowd. So the first time I saw him was, I don't know, like maybe Seven or eight years ago, I was out in Las Vegas, and I was I was working out there at one of the comedy clubs, but I had a night that I was off. So I went to see him at the, uh, was it the Sahara? No, it was the Sands Hotel, which no longer exists. They tore it down a couple years ago. So I went to see him at the Sands, and at the time I was doing the Tony Danza show. I was the warm-up comic on the Tony Danza show here in New York. So I had a business card, and I just sent him a little note backstage saying, you know, Mr. Rickles, I'm a big fan. I'm a comic. I work on the Tony Danza show. Um, I would love to meet you. Well, at the end of the show, his manager came out into the audience and found me and said, hey, is this you? And he showed me my card, and I said, yeah. He said, well, Don would love to meet you. Just give it a couple of minutes, come backstage, and uh, you can come back and say hello. I was like, oh, my God, that's awesome. Well, at the time, the resident act at the Sands was Wayne Newton, so he had a dressing room and everything, and that was the okay. dressing room that Don. That was a dressing room that Don Rickles was in. So I went back, and it was Wayne Newton's dressing room with shag carpet. It was like right out of the seventies, shag carpet <laughs> and 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 faux leather couches and big pictures of Wayne Newton hanging on the wall. He had pictures of himself hanging in his dressing room. So I I got to meet Don, and I said hello and took a picture with him. Well, the next five or six times that he was performing on the East Coast, I was lucky enough to go and hang out with him. 
So wow. I would go see his show, and then I would go backstage. So when he was in Atlantic City, I was doing a private party down there, and I went and saw the show. I went backstage. Um, Larry King is really good friends with Don Rickles. Okay. So uh, And so I saw Larry King in the audience, and he had just done the Danza show. So he was like, hey, it's the comic from Danza. I was like, hey, Mr. King, how are you? He said, hey, come backstage. I know Don would love to see you. So we went backstage, and for about an hour and a half, I sat next to Don Rickles on a couch while him and Larry King told showbiz stories back and forth. Oh, my gosh. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so that's like my greatest showbiz story. Hanging out with Don Rickles and Larry King is like my greatest showbiz story of all time. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. No, that's amazing. Yeah. That's great. It was really cool. And Don Rickles kept patting my knee going, that's really funny. Isn't that funny? Oh, listen to this. That's funny. And he's like the nicest, sweetest guy ever that you would ever meet off stage. So he's not like his, his uh, on stage persona at all. He's just like a really nice guy. And like a lot of older comics, he takes mm-hmm. interest in younger guys because Mm -hmm. he knows that we're the ones that are carrying on the torch. And that's why a lot of times I'll be interested in, like, meeting new guys and talking to them and stuff like that because they're the ones that are carrying the torch. And you got to make sure that they're doing it right and that they're treating the business with respect and that they, most important, that they have respect for their audiences. That's the number one thing that you always have to have is respect for your audience. Interesting. That's an interesting comment you made. I've never heard someone say that before, just in terms of, like you're saying, carrying the torch and trying to get good people that, like you're saying, respect the business and respect the industry. It's really neat. It's yeah, a really it's, cool comment. It's, it's, it's an art form that has to be respected. And, it's, I, and I personally, having done both acting and in TV and a little bit of everything, I think stand-up is probably the hardest art form out of all mm-hmm. of them because it's just you and you're naked on stage and that's the way it is. It's you and, and 300 people who are, you're trying to make laugh and there's nothing that's going to save you at all. Either you're <laughs> right. funny or you're not, you know. But also by the same token, the audience are the people that are paying you. You know, they're your bosses. So you have to make sure that the audience, that you respect your audience. Because if you're going to crap all over your audience and not treat them with respect, well, first of all, they're not going to come back and see you. And if the people aren't coming to see you, then you're not going to get rebooked and you're not going to be able to do anything. So right. it's, very important that, it's, it's very important that the audience has respect for you. Well, that's, that's, again, that's interesting you say that. So how do you deal with a heckler? What, what is your approach um, to dealing with someone? No, I, I just, I go right for the throat and put them in their place. <laughs> oh, okay, so you do. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, no, you know what? If you you, you got to shut them up right away because if, if you give them an inch, then they're going to take a mile. And you just right. got to, you know, you, you just, you just got to put them in their place right away. That's the way it is. Right. Okay, cool. Cool. Yeah. So yeah. What's, what do you see in store for you in the future? I mean, and it's interesting that you say you have the acting background because that's not something I, I knew about you before bringing you on the show. And it was the more I was thinking about you over the weekend and, you know, looking at your history and the bio and putting stuff together, I was like, wow, I could really see him creating a show or maybe even being in a show acting. Would you, do you have any interest in doing that? Is, some, is that something in the future you'd want to pursue in terms of writing something? You know, it would, it would be great, but here's my problem. Once you've done stand-up, mm-hmm. all of a sudden 
like, and, and for me, I, and this isn't for everybody because there's a lot of comics that do acting, but for me, once you, like, have to suddenly memorize a script and you have a director telling you right. what to do and how to say it, I, just, I find it very constricting. Once you've had the freedom of stand-up, it's sort of hard to, uh, for me anyway, to go back to acting. I, the freedom of stand-up to me is the greatest freedom of all because I show up. I do what I'm supposed to do. I have a really good time. I create my own world. I bring the audience into that world. And then I, you know, then I go home. So uh, I, 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 I don't know if I, if I want to do any more acting. Now, of course, if someone suddenly offered me, like, a huge contract, mm-hmm. you know, to do a TV show, who am I to say no right, <laughs> to a big right. contract? <laughs> so, right. You know, ne- well, never say never. You know, um, my life has just been sort of like a lot of happy accidents, and I went into stand-up never knowing what warm-up was, and then I went into warm-up never expecting to work on more than one show, and now, you know, 11 years later, here I am doing it. I'm making a nice living. So, you know, who am I to say no to anything? Whatever happens, happens. That's right. You know, as far as I'm concerned, as far as I'm concerned, if I were to die tomorrow, I've already been a success, and I've achieved all the goals that I wanted to achieve. Cool, very cool. That's awesome to hear. So um, so what do people, what do you have in store for yourself if you want to plug any upcoming shows that you have, events? Um, well, we this is our last week at the Chew before we go on our, our short summer break, and then we're going to be off for about a month, five weeks. And then we start our second season on September 10th. That's when we come back for the second season at the Chew. Um, in the meantime, I'm going down to Florida this weekend to do a bunch of, sh- you know, a couple shows in Fort Myers, and then I'm going to take a little bit of time off. But uh, I'm going to be a Catch a Rising star in Reno. Um, I think it's August 21st is when I'm out there. Okay. So, uh, but if you go to my but if you go to my website, which is rcsmithkicksass.com, or if you friend me on Facebook, RC Smith. My schedule's on my website, and uh, my status update is every week wherever I'm going to be performing on Facebook. Very cool. And like I said, I'm going to try to come see you at Uncle Vinny's in Point Pleasant, New Jersey. I think it's uh, September 14th, if that's the correct date. Yeah, September 14th. Is it 13th and 14th or 14th and 15th? Whatever that weekend is, I'm going to be in Uncle Vinny's, which is one of my favorite gigs because uh, the yeah. audiences are always fun. Um, it's bring your own bottle. It's BYOB. So the audiences bring in, like, kegs and cases and, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and heroin and a little bit of everything. Oh. So the show, the, show, the show sort of goes where the show goes. Right. No, it's been great. I've, done, I've went to see tons of people there, and it's it's just a nice, you know, intimate comedy club. I really like the fact that, you know, you, you can really say hi to you guys when you're done and interact yep. a little bit, so it's cool. Yeah. Yeah, and really intimate cool. is good because I, I like to be able to talk to every single member of the audience. Oh, gosh. So, I better, uh, like, so. hide somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you'll be safe. I have I have a strict rule that I never talk to anybody that I already know Ooh, because if whatever okay. I if if whatever I say is really clever and really funny, and then the audience sees me talking to you after the show, then they'll go, "Oh, well, she was a plant. No wonder you were able to say such funny things." So right, it's, right. It's always it's always okay. better that I talk to just strangers. It's always okay. better that way. <laughs> that so sounds you're good safe. then. You're I'm safe. in the clear. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. That sounds great. Well, I mean, thank yeah. you so much for coming on. Please also plug if you have a Twitter site, any other, you know, social yep. media sites you I'm, want to plug. Uh, please. It's, uh, it's it's R- it's at R C Smith kicks ass. That's Twitter, and of course, my Facebook is R C Smith. So uh, friend me and follow me. And uh, I'm st- I'm still trying to get the hang of Twitter. I don't know. 
if I like it or not. But I, I post yeah. stuff on Twitter. You know, it seems me to too. me it seems a little self it seems a little self indulgent sometimes. Twitter, well, like you know, who cares if I'm having bacon and eggs for breakfast? Well, exactly. You know, who really but cares? That's, that's what's so funny, RC, is that yeah, I go on literally once a week to promote my guests. It's like oh. I feel like stupid. I'm not going to be some narcissist and egomaniac posting about myself right. all day. Or Yeah, I'm the same right. way. So I go on literally once and or twice at this a week. Point, I only have, like, what, maybe 130 people following me on Twitter. So I'm like, really, do I need those 130 people? Do I need them? <laughs> do I need to really let them know what I'm doing? <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, just, people... it, seems, it seems very bizarre. Yeah, it seems very yeah, bizarre. Yeah, but people, especially uh, the younger people, they like it. It's a quick place to get a snapshot of, like, right. again, if you're doing a show or something like that, I think it's a good you know, right. um, place to promote stuff like that. Right. But Although one of my one of my followers on Twitter is uh, Chef Mario Batali, so that's the one good thing. Mario follows me, and he'll retweet a lot of the things that I say. So oh, nice. uh, that's the one good thing. Yeah, so that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. And last question, I forgot to. This would be interesting. Ever any interest in writing a book about yourself or your um, story? Maybe I think I think a book about all my uh, uh, experiences being mm-hmm. a warm-up comic I think would make an interesting book. Just dealing with, you know, the egos and the the competence and the incompetence of working in television because working in daytime TV is a whole different animal than working in regular showbiz. So, uh, you know, just, just the people that I've dealt with. So, so maybe at some point I might do a book about being a warm-up guy at some point. Interesting. Very cool. Very cool. And, hey, just here's a quick question. So are there any psychologists behind the scenes on these TV shows? I've always been interested in combining my entertainment and my uh, my, my professional career. Well, there's never anyone on staff, although okay. I think it probably wouldn't hurt to have a psychologist on staff. <laughs> but there's certainly but there's certainly been segments where we've had psychologists on the show talking yeah, about whatever, yeah. you know, the segment is about, you know, people who eat toilet paper and right. you know <laughs> right. things like that. I think I think more of the daytime shows like uh, you know, Maury and 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 Springer, I think yeah. they might need to like a daytime psychologist. But you know what, at the right. two we just do we just do cooking and entertaining, so we don't right, really right. need a psychologist <laughs> over there. <laughs> pretty uh, pretty low-key on that show, I guess, yeah, right? Yeah, very, very low-key, very low-maintenance, yeah. <laughs> nice. Well, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Well, R.C., thank you so much for coming on. You're more than welcome to come back on in the future if you have something to promote you, or Terry. something new going time. on. So, yeah, so whenever you want, just just give me a call, and I'll come on whenever you want. All right, that sounds great. That sounds great. So thanks so much again, and feel free one more time to just plug where people can find you, and then uh, we'll be uh, wrapping things uh, up. My website is rcsmithkicksass.com. There's a schedule page and also a bunch of pictures of people that I've worked with over the years. Um, R.C. Smith, which is capital R, capital C, Smith on Facebook, and at R.C. Smith Kicks Ass on Twitter. All right, great. Thank you so much. Please keep in touch with me. I'm looking forward to seeing you sometime in September, and uh, thanks again for coming on. Beautiful. Thank you so much. I appreciate okay. it. Okay, absolutely. Have okay, a great bye. night. Thanks. Yeah, you too. Bye. bye. All right, everyone. Again, that was R.C. Smith. Please check him out. Go to rcsmithkicksass.com. An amazing comic. If you've tuned into the show a little later, uh, please check out the podcast, which will be available immediately after the show is over. You can download it. You can stream it. 
And again, I just want to thank my audience. It's just been a, a great year plus since I launched the show and never thought it would be going in the direction it's going in, but truly enjoy supporting my guests and uh, bringing these people on to uh, get their names out there and support them. Again, my show has had everyone on from new and up- upcoming people in the industry all the way to very established, renowned people as R.C. Smith, you just heard on tonight. So um, next week, it's going to be a really fun show. It's going to be on August 7th. We are going to have author Michael Latagona on. He is actually a registered nurse, and he recently wrote a book called If I Were President of the USA from an Average American Joe. And uh, I'm definitely not a political person. That's one thing I just, uh, my Jewish grandfather always said to me, don't talk about politics, religion, or money. So just as a side note, I just always thought that was funny when he said that. But I have to admit, this book is excellent. It really is. It really takes a commonsensical approach. Um, I just I really recommend people check it out. I mean, it just it looks at people as a whole. It's not looking at someone from a Republican perspective or a Democratic or an Independent. It's just looking at the country and trying to say, what can we do to better the country and get everyone to work together as a team? And it's it's a great book. It's a really good book. It's available on Amazon. So he will be coming on August 7th at uh, 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. So please, if you have a Twitter account, follow me at Carrie Edelman. If you follow me, I will follow you. Please become a fan on Facebook of The Carrie Edelman Show. It has regular updates, promotions for events and guests coming on. I have two personal pages now on Facebook. You can befriend me. Um, My first one I maxed out, so I did create a second one. So if you can't uh, befriend me on the first one, please send a request for the second one. And I also have a Carrie Edelman music page on Facebook, um, doing a lot of collaborations with different artists and musicians, so you can check out some of the updates there. So thanks again, everyone, for tuning in tonight. And let's see, I'm going to play one of the songs off of my debut album, Leave It All Behind, which you can find on iTunes or any other digital sites by searching Carrie Edelman. And uh, let's see, tonight we're going to do Run. It's an interesting song. It's a little more low-key than some of my other stuff. So uh, check out Run. If you like what you hear, please check out the album, download the singles, and we'll be back next week. Thank you so much again, and have a great night.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.